I had an interesting experience this last Friday. I was doing communion calls over at Arlie Burke Nursing Home on Kirby Road. Father Pollard or I visit there every week. I was going around to visit the residents who are on our Catholic list. There's one woman who we visit who generally isn't able to receive Holy Communion, however. She's just too out of it, and she doesn't respond to the invitation to take the host into her mouth. So we just give her a blessing instead. I went to her room on Friday, and she wasn't there, but her aide was. The aide told me that she was down the hall in a common area. So we went there, and she was sitting there in her wheelchair. Beside her was a man in a suit leaning in closely, saying something to her. I thought it could be one of her adult children visiting, or perhaps a doctor giving her an examination, or a social worker evaluating her condition. But as I got closer, I could see that he was holding a small Bible and was reading to her from it. He was some sort of evangelical minister. So I waited for a break in his words, and then I stepped up and said, Hello, Mrs. So-and-so. Would you like to receive Holy Communion? Now, mind you, this woman really is out of it. She's not really conscious, even if she's awake. Her head is just hanging down from her shoulders most of the time like this. Her aide, who was with me from her room, helped her to lift up her head so that she could see me. I took one of the hosts from the picks and held it up to her so that she could see what it was, and I said, would you like to receive the Eucharist? Although her eyes were open, it was clear that she had no consciousness of what was going on around her. It was a totally blank stare. She couldn't open her mouth to receive, as usual. So I returned the sacred host to the picks, and I gave her a blessing, and told her that I would see her next week. Now, as I was doing this, I was conscious of the evangelical minister sitting there looking at me with utter contempt in his eyes. And I suppose from his perspective, I looked contemptible. Here I am walking around in my funny-looking cassock with this gleaming gold ashtray in my hand filled with what Catholics purport to be the sacramental body of Christ. I imagine that he would think that giving communion to a woman who, even if she had opened her mouth to take it, wouldn't have been conscious of what she was receiving, as confirming the worst, most stereotypical assumptions that evangelicals have about Catholics, that we engage in mindless rituals, that we attribute miraculous powers to inanimate objects, that we believe that priests can impart special blessings to people. Now, truth be told, I was feeling a little bit of contempt for him as well, because I was thinking to myself, if she, a lifelong Catholic, can't even recognize Holy Communion, do you really think she's getting anything out of your little Bible study? I at least know that there are many elderly and infirm Catholics who can't comprehend or concentrate on the spoken word, who do at least receive great spiritual joy from receiving the sacraments that they are so familiar with. Now, to be clear, I have no problem with a non-Catholic minister visiting this lady. Praying with her or reading to her from the sacred scriptures is certainly a spiritual work of mercy. And I'm hardly fretting about her running off and joining McLean Bible Church at this point. The reason I'm happy to have an evangelical minister doing this spiritual good work for this woman is, oddly enough, rooted in one of the main differences between Catholic and evangelical theology. Namely, that we as Catholics believe that the sacraments and the other actions of faith in this life can bring about objective graces, 
Races that are not dependent as here on whether this woman could understand what the minister was saying to her. This is at the heart of our sacramental faith. Christ said that he is the way and the truth and the life. We believe that we have objective means of grace in the seven sacraments, that they are true signs of divine love that Christ gives to us on our way in this life. The sacraments are meant, among other things, to quell our anxieties as followers of Christ, because we know that if we are receiving the sacraments and are properly disposed to them, we are receiving all of the graces that our Lord assigns to them, regardless of how we subjectively feel about them. For example, I often have people tell me that they don't automatically feel guilt-free after making a good confession, or that they don't always feel the presence of Christ in receiving the Eucharist, or that they don't feel that they have done enough for the repose of the soul of their deceased loved one despite having the church's funeral rites offered for them and offering prayers for the dead as the church prescribes. I always tell these persons that who have these concerns that their feelings in this sense are beside the point. In each of these cases, they've complied with the law of the church and the teachings of our Lord. Laws and teachings that are given to us for the sake of our having objective signposts of grace in our lives. It's this objectivity of graces that explains why the sacramental life can benefit those, such as infants, the handicapped, or the infirm elderly, who don't have the present capacity to comprehend the faith in an intellectual way. They, too, can receive the objective graces of the sacraments applicable to them. It's also true even of spiritual actions that are not themselves sacraments, but which have a sacramental character. The evangelical minister reciting the scriptures with this elderly woman, for example, can benefit her spiritually, even if she's not mentally cognizant at the present. The irony, of course, is that I'm not sure that a typical evangelical would see it that way. They emphasize that a person is saved by accepting Christ as their Savior, which obviously requires that a person be mentally competent, rather than the grace of being, the grace of being on the receiving end of a spiritual good work or sacrament that they're not necessarily aware is taking place. Now, I'd like to say that after this encounter with the evangelical minister, that we overcame our mutual suspicions and went out for a beer, discovered that we're not so different from each other after all. But we didn't. We just exchanged measured eye contact, and he went back to reading the Bible for her, and I went off and continued my communion calls. But let me say a further word in favor of what I presume to be the heart of my evangelical minister's friend's antagonism towards what he perceived Catholics as doing, which is the fear that Catholicism, with its sacramental and liturgical practices, can become a kind of rote ritualism. Fears that drove a lot of the Protestant Reformation, by the way. I'm sure that for this minister, this fear was epitomized by what he probably viewed as a drive-by attempt to dispense the sacrament to an uncomprehending woman. There is certainly the danger in the sacramental life for those of us who are mentally clear enough to understand what is going on around us, that we can become mentally disengaged from the faith. The sacramental and liturgical forms and practices can become, instead of an aid to our full, active, and conscious participation in the life of faith, a kind of psychological crutch in which we go through the motions of receiving the sacraments and participating in the church's liturgy in a rote, unreflective, and dare I say, even irreverent way. 
There are objective graces in the sacraments, but don't think for a moment that if we fail to dispose ourselves to receive the sacraments for what they are, that we can't negate those graces or even commit the sin of sacrilege. As St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, for anyone who eats and drinks the Eucharist without first discerning the body of Christ, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why we must give our most prayerful, reverent, and undivided attention to the entirety of the celebration of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, by which and through which we receive the most blessed sacrament. This is why we must dispose ourselves to the reception of Holy Communion by frequently making a sincere, searching, and full sacramental confession, especially if we have committed any serious sins. And this is why we must approach the altar and handle our Eucharistic Lord with the utmost reverence and focus, truly cognizant of the fact that we are receiving the living bread that comes down to us from heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.